Thank you, Jesus, for this amazing opportunity that we have got to gather together this morning to uh, be inspired by your story through Scripture, but also your story and the perspectives that it lends each and every one of us through our, our own unique experiences with you. We just ask that through today's sharing, through our conversations, our discussion, our prayers, and our thanks together, that each of us just uniquely experience your love in a tangible way this morning, that we come closer together and closer to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning. Um, welcome to Bloom for a couple of you that look like your new faces I haven't seen you before. Um, this is my goal this morning, is we do, usually do about a 20-minute teaching, 20 30, followed by uh, discussion time, uh, which is unique to our community. We want to hear what your thoughts, your reflections, what your questions, what your, if you disagree or if you're inspired by something, what those are. Uh, we feel that each of our voices lend to the conversation much more than just one. We want you to enter in and feel comfortable sharing during that or just being a fly on the wall if that's all you want. Um, we'll have uh, a time of worship and there's always communion at the back. Um, and then we do prayer circles here at Bloom, which is at the end, which we'll have circles of about eight of us sharing anything you're thankful for or something you have prayers for. Again, a time that you can just be a fly on the wall, but it's a unique part of our experience at Bloom that we get to be community with each other before going on our separate ways. Um, again, I've been uh, trying to uh, demonstrate, like when we teach, not just me, but anyone in the community, we try to follow this pattern uh, in the message, and so you'll notice a, a um, kind of a self-vulnerability uh, sharing moment at the beginning of what ties me to the conversation we're about to have. Uh, the we is what maybe why we are talking about this, why it affects all of us. We bring in scripture or uh, what does God say about this. There's a take home, the you, like how do we apply this, what are we doing with this, and then how do we apply this as a community? Because I think it's important to have self-reflection but also community reflection because we're a community together. And so hopefully I'll point this out as we're going forward. And um, it doesn't really matter, but it kind of helps you sort through what's going on and how it happens. Especially, um, especially today. Today we are starting um, the next three Sundays. We're going to be going through the book of Galatians together. Um, it is the second letter of the New Testament, uh, historically written. James was the first one. We went through that a few months back. Um, and Galatians is Paul's first letter that makes it into the New Testament canon. Uh, he uh, is pretty spicy in this first letter that they decide to choose, an angry, passionate. Um, there's something there that is worth noting. Um, he is worried that uh, religion slipping in uh, is, is completely reversing and ruining Christianity, that anything added to Jesus besides Jesus himself uh, any, any works that we have to prescribe, any law, any new rules is completely taking away from the free gift of grace and God doing everything to unite us with him, not our works, but him. And so Paul is pretty passionate about not letting this stuff slip in, and we'll see that as we read this together. And he really lays the groundwork for what becomes the understanding of being a follower of Jesus or salvation, this positive relationship with God for anyone, no matter 
what background creed you are, who by grace, so a gift from God, receives in faith this gift of Jesus. And faith just being just belief. Belief that God has done it all for you is what enters us into this right relationship. And anything beyond that starts to completely reverse it. And we'll see as we go today. Um, this stuff, this book means a ton to me. Um, our church has got some huge roots uh, even in this message here. I've been a part of spiritual communities in the past and even staff level part where I've seen uh, for growth or for if money got tight how easy it is to slip into prescribing works that we need to do otherwise um, something else happens. How easy it is to start even trying to become popular because maybe that's how we need to grow. Not by true loving actions and following Jesus but maybe we need to be a popular church where we have entertaining music with lasers and we have a kids ministry that looks like Chuck E. Cheese on steroids and um, which in one aspect I can see the benefit in in so many others, it just seems like it distracts from what's most important. It completely breaks my heart to the point of like even depression at times that the number one and number two reasons that followers of Jesus in America choose a church is music and kids ministry. And that the message or that this, the service that the community does to the greater all community or the teachings it has are like 15th on the Like it just drops. It is not important as long as I'm entertained and my kids are entertained. Like if I've got that, this place is cool for me, I'll find everything else. And there's some unique, like we still, God can operate as unique, but it's, it's disappointing that the consumerism of our culture has so seeped into our, our communities of faith that follow Jesus that it's affecting what's going on. Now as we read this letter from Paul, I think so much of what he's saying here is not, we're not going to look at this as like, oh, this is how we're doing it better and how someone else isn't, because it's very easy to look at this letter and do that, because he's calling out some stuff, and he's like, this is dangerous, why the heck would we do this? And it's easy to be like, oh, I definitely see how someone else is doing this. We're not doing this, woo! But I think when we read scripture together in context, it's, it's, it's learning from what Paul says to this community in Galatians and saying, all right, if Paul were with us today, what would he say to us? How are these strong avenues where we might be missing and how does this apply to our community, our own life? Like, is there, it's so easy to say someone else has got it worse and so I don't have to look at me, but I think that's the concept he's getting at here is if we keep pointing fingers, if we keep making a hierarchy of who's better than who, we're not truly just following by our heart. What's there for us to learn here? What, how can we get better? Um, the passion I connect with a ton because I want to, when I first found grace, when I first realized in my late 20s, that it wasn't my efforts that, that have earned me a spot with God or earned his love. Like he, it's, it's his love alone that rocked my world. There was anger for a moment where I'm like, they lied to me. This is, I mean, and you, you talk to Amy, there was some like waking her up at night when I was studying and being like, I can't believe, I can't find this saying in the scripture that they've taught me all my life. Like, this is BS. Like, we've, we've turned it into a business, into a machine. This is not what Jesus wanted. And so I think I resonate, and especially those of you who have been with Bloom since the beginning can realize the very passionate loop that May started and how 
that passion has, not that the passion has gone away, but that like vehement, like, no, you're completely wrong. And I'm, Jesus is right. Like there's been a toning down that we also see through Paul, even through scriptures as we read his letters and what they look like. Um, this isn't, Yeah, let's just get started. I'm going to switch for a second here. I want to open with one um, passage that is at the actually the second part of um, Galatians 2. So Galatians 1 and 2 are what we were reading this last week. If you didn't read along with us, um, there are two copies of the Bible in the back that you can completely grab. Uh, I also have my, my Bible and a message Bible, although I'm going to read from this a little bit too if anyone needs to look up something and read. Uh, most chapters of the Bible take five minutes to read. So two chapters should take us ten. This should be something that we can come together with and bring. I'm not going to be just going through this verbatim. I'm definitely going to be jumping around. Because I want us to conceptualize this. I want us to take a look at what Paul is saying to this church and say, like, okay, how does this apply in modern life? So many of us look at scriptures and we're like, this is not relevant. Like, how do I, this is a diff, distant culture that's so different but how do we make it relevant? What's the context here? And the context is there is fighting going on among these new churches. There are people, Jews, they get the term Judaizer, uh, that um, have found Jesus, but now are a little troubled as outsiders are getting this free grace. And they want them to become Jews first and then not. And so you'll see, if you read along, that um, a hot button is... Um, Circumcision is a big deal because that's what they think getting in the covenant of God is, following the law, following the Ten Commandments. We see all kinds of prescriptions that they're trying to figure out what prescriptions do we give new people before they get grace. And Paul's like, you don't understand anything if you do this. And so he comes out uh, passionately against this uh, and brings us even back to the Old Testament where he's like, this began in Genesis with Abraham having right relationship, having this true friendship with God just based on faith. Faith that God was enough. Not any words, not any and how we've distanced ourselves from that, how we've added to that, how we've gotten off track, how easy it is to get off track and where we are. So he says in verse 16 of Galatians 2 he says, we know that no one is made right with God by meeting the demands of the law. And as we write this, the law is the hot button for them, but what is your prescription of Christianity? Every time you hear the word law as we're reading Think of what are you prescribing, what works have to be done for you to be in good relationship with God. Because that's what, that's what he'd be talking to us about. What, what have we added to this free gift to make it work? He says it's only through the faithfulness of Jesus the anointed that salvation is even possible. This is why we put our faith in Jesus the anointed. And so we will also be, so we will be put right with God. It's his faithfulness, not works prescribed by the law, that puts us in right standing with God because no one will be acquitted and declared right for doing what the law demands. There's, there's nothing in ourselves, there's no prescription you can make that's going to make us a-okay with God, with something else. And so we see him time and time again through this, this letter point back to Jesus alone. And in my own life, there's so many times where it's, I need the reminder it's, it's Jesus, Luke. It's not all this other stuff. It's not getting up early serving, even though those things are things that we're inspired to do. Um, it is definitely this, this, this inspiration 
of seeing how amazing this love, this forgiveness, this life in Christ is, and being inspired to live differently because of that. Um, so I want to talk, I want to jump now to uh, the beginning. This is kind of how he opens the letter. And you can kind of hear some of his, his fire here, although it, it gets stronger as we're going to go weeks ahead. He says, frankly, I am stunned. I cannot believe that you have abandoned God so quickly. Even after he called you through the grace of the anointed one. And you have fallen for a different gospel. Actually, there is only one true gospel of the anointed. And you, because of divisive prodding of others are accepting a distorted version, which is not the gospel at all. He opens by saying, what the heck happened? It's obvious that Paul has visited this church before. He's got a relationship with them. I, I believe, if I'm remembering my Bible history right, this is even one of the churches that he kind of helped form. Uh, and then there's this outside influence that comes in. It's like, no, no, you've got to add this. You've got to be a Christian this way. You've got to vote this way. You need to look this way. You need to act this way. Uh, and we definitely will see inspired tenets to this letter where he says, if you're a follower of Jesus, we should be inspired to do these things or look this way. But when it comes to relationship with God, there's only one thing with that, and that's Jesus alone. I want to read this from the Message Translation, too, because Eugene Peterson, the, the author of the Message, um, he, he originally wrote this translation of the Bible for his daughter so she could understand what's going on. And man, he just is poignant sometimes with how he phrases things. And so he writes, I can't believe your fickleness, how easy you've turned traitor to him who called you by the grace of Christ, by embracing a variant message. And it's not a minor variation, you know. It's a completely other, an alien message, a no message, a lie about God. Those who are provoking this agitation among you are turning the message of Christ on its head. So he's like, this isn't just something little. Don't, don't start adding prescriptions. Don't, don't start telling people... They need to, um, I don't even know what prescriptions your, your auntie is telling you it looks like to follow Jesus that you have to add, or your coworker or neighbor, or whatever it is in your life, but there's something out there. Um, I cuss like a sailor, so swearing, and my grandma, who was the matriarch of our family, has always done that, and so it's, it's like in my roots, and so when it became like Luke, followers of Jesus don't do that, yes. Around children, I'm inspired to use different language. But it's the language of common people. It's the language of my coworkers. It's the language of, you know what I mean? This is, this is life. All of a sudden, it was to be a follower of Jesus. That can't be there. Or maybe you're not a follower of Jesus. Or if we really want to start pushing hot buttons, the stuff lately is, if you're a homosexual, you can't be a follower of Jesus. If you're, um, oh my God, I've got, uh, if, if you're a Democrat, can't be a follower of Jesus. It was a hot button in my family. Uh, there is a relative who found out when we started the church, uh, you're letting Democrats come, and there was tears, and I'm like, I'm a Democrat, like, or I might be, I don't know what I am. Uh, like, what do you mean? Like, you're, I mean, serious weeping, not just like, like, weeping at the fact that this would be a non-cause, like, those, you have a church of people going to hell, are you not telling them? Like, going to, what? Like, what if, and it, all this stuff has seeped in, and it's, it's slowly piled up, it's slowly added to what equals Christianity, and we've got some weird stuff out there. And Paul says anything that we're adding to Jesus alone in this amazing love, we have not just altered. He's like, it is a completely different gospel. You have flipped it on its head. It's completely reversed. You've missed 
everything that's going on here. Now something he adds in verse 10 of the first chapter is how easy it is to get to be a people pleaser. So he's showing us through this that it's easy to get off track. And I think every one of us can start to see at times, and I know through conversations over coffee or beers or whatever, that we start to get into the, man, I'm, I'm starting to, I'm not doing this in my life, and so I feel bad, I feel guilty. And, and so we have to go through the, well, why are you feeling guilty about that? Are you inspired to be different or someone telling you to be this way? Is it, you think that God doesn't love you anymore, that he's turned his back on you because of this? Um, I, I know I had a friend that smoking was drilled into him with his family, and so he was always like, Every time he lit a cigarette, in his mind, he had this picture of God turning his back on him and being like, nah, until he like somehow renounced cigarettes for at least 16 days, and God would turn back around and be like, oh, welcome back to the family. And you're like, that is your image of God. And this is a dude who believes in grace, and so you're like, what? Where does this come from? What's going on? How can you think every time you do this that all of a sudden God turns from you? Like, this is backwards religion from a God, who, from a message that says that he pursued us. He did everything to create right relationship between us. It's never been about our own actions. So it's easy for all of us to get off track. Next, he starts telling us how easy it is to become a people pleaser. I think if we look at these first two chapters, this getting off track or this becoming a people pleaser are the ditches that we find ourselves in. It's either we're adding something to the gospel and turning it into religion that's either controlling or demanding, or we're, we're starting to get into just our carnal impulses of what do I want? out of church? Do I want, is it entertaining enough for me? Is the preacher funny enough? Is the, I don't know what we're adding that's people pleasing, but Paul says, he's like, I'm not writing to win you over. Do you think I care about the approval of men or the approval of God? Do you think I'm on a mission to please people? If I'm still spinning my wheels trying to please men, then there's no way that I can be a servant of the anointed one, the liberating king. It's, it's so easy for us to uh, especially our culture, because it's permeated everything. Our phones can do so freaking much now. I saw an article that they showed a backpack full of stuff that this guy used to carry around before he had his phone. Because it's got his camera, and it's got a flashlight, and it's got his calendar, and it's got maps, and it's got all of this thinking stuff that he doesn't need to carry anymore. A backpack full of stuff. And so we're used to on-demand everything. Oh my goodness, my favorite TV show came out and we're cussing at the television because our internet connection is slow and it's not loading it fast enough. And like, I wanted to watch the new season of Master of None that came out Friday night right now. All ten episodes, I just had to have it and something is wrong. We've given you this, 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 this demand relationship in life where everything is so easy. We want to be able to call an Uber the moment we need one and it just picks us up from like nowhere. This guy just shows up or gal and bring us to where we want to, and all the finances are handled on the phone, and we get out of a clean car. I mean, we're so used to the ease of this thing. That how is this seeping into our Christianity, this ease? Where are we starting to try to please others? And it gets dangerous if we're starting to lord it over. Like, whoa, I serve here. You're not serving somewhere yet? Like, what's wrong with you? Are you not? Like, it, it almost takes this pious nature of, I'm better than you. And that's where I think we got to be careful of is starting to, I'm either doing actions to try to please people where I become a follower of what's hip or what's fad instead of this truth and love and service that we see through the scriptures, or we start feeling for some reason that my behavior that's been inspired by Jesus is now so good that I feel good pointing out how yours isn't quite as good as mine is anymore. And this, this is dangerous stuff that Paul doesn't take lightly at all. 
And so he starts talking about this following what's popular. He gives his own story. And he says, I, I didn't come into this calling, this following Jesus because someone gave me a title or someone gave me a mission. He tells a story about how he got knocked off his donkey. Pretty much the dude was driving down the road, blinding light, car stops, he can't speak. And he feels God whispering directly to him about changing the course of his life. Paul's a guy who was holding the coats of the people stoning the saints because he's like, yeah, this, this can't happen. He says that he was as religious as religious gets, one of the elite who could do at least the visual prescriptions of the law like better than anyone else. This guy was good. And he gets his life totally rocked by a divine encounter with God. And he says, it's only because of what I've been inspired through this message of freedom that I'm even here. It's not because of you or any man made something. I'm not following the popular trend. My life has been changed by God, and I'm acting according to that. And so it's easy to say, I'm just going to follow the prescriptions or where everyone's going or what seems to be popular right now, or have we had an experience of what God's doing in our own life? Our mission at Bloom is to create opportunities for people to experience the grace, the love, and the acceptance of Jesus. Create opportunities for them to experience God. Not for us to argue someone in or to prove that our life is so glorious that you want to be a part of this. It's so that they can encounter God for themselves. They can encounter that grace, that acceptance, that open arms, that unflinching love despite whatever is going on in our life. That's what inspired Paul. That's what's to inspire us as we go forward with this. Um, he says in verse 21 at the end of chapter 2, he says, it's not clear, is it not clear to you that to go back on that old rule keeping, that pure pleasing religion would be an abandonment of everything personal and free in my relationship with God? And this one's actually a voice translation, or I mean a message as well. Is it not clear to you that if I went back to my old rule-keeping, my peer-pleasing religion, that it would be abandonment of everything personal and free in my relationship with God? If we look at the voice translation of this, he says, I can't dismiss God's grace, and I won't. If being right with God depends on how we measure it up to the law, then the anointed sacrifice on the cross was the most tragic waste in all of history. The most tragic waste in all of history, if what Jesus did, if it's still these prescriptions that we give to each other, that we give to ourselves, maybe someone isn't even whispering, maybe it's something you told yourself, something you just can't get past, some secret sin, some flaw of your character, some desire that you have, smoking in the boys' room, I don't know what you're doing that's causing you to feel like you're just not weighing up, but if that's the case, then we don't understand the message, or we're just throwing Jesus under the bus. And this gift, this tremendous gift and sacrifice, this divine becoming human so he can understand us, was just a waste of time. And that wakes me up, that sentence. That gets me listening. That gets me like, shoot, where in my own life am I letting the influence of, I'm just going to keep saying religion, because that seems to be the religious avenue is this this prescription, this getting our fingers into control instead of this following our heart, following who we truly have been made, made to be, being inspired by a loving creator. And if the fight was the law back then, if this law, if this 
circumcision. Wouldn't you love to be a guy just finding Jesus? Galatians, you're not Jewish. You come to, you come to your church gathering and they're like, we need to we need to settle some things before we can start it up. How did they grow at all, seriously, while this fight was going on? Like that, if I came to a gathering at someone's house and it's dusty and that came up, I'd be like, it was super nice to meet you. And on the camel ride back with Amy, I'd be like, we are never, ever going back there. I don't care what's going on. Like, we are done. Like, this is over. Uh, Verse 19, he says, The laws provided a means to, an, to end my dependence on it for righteousness. Which is interesting that the law itself is being completed in Jesus. And if we don't realize that, it kind of messes with things. He says, And so I've died to the law. Now I find my freedom to truly live for God. I find my freedom to truly live for God. There's something about abandoning these prescriptions that allow us to finally live for God, to follow, to be inspired, to look inside, to look for that still small voice, to see what is God doing on the inside of me. Nikki and Raina got married Friday night. I'm at the wedding, and then we're back at the hotel afterwards for the after party, and there's a campfire out back, and there's still two large kegs left, and so we go downstairs to hang around the fire. And seriously, like, I know it's coming, and like 2 a.m., then the good questions start coming out. Like, the whole, like, okay, how can you be a minister? How, what, what's going on? How can Nikki and Raina come to your church? Like, it just starts going. And if you just see prescriptions, people are like, well, what about this prescription? I just can't get past that. I'm like, I can't get past that either. That's, that sounds impossible. Why would we try to do that? Why would we try to add that? Why would we try to put that on ourselves? What's, like, what are you inspired to do? Um, there's, there's pain that comes with this. One lady said that this church had told her that she attended for a while. They had, they had lost a baby, a, a babysitter, and ended up somehow killing a nine-month-old baby. And she's like, how do, how do I forgive that? She's like, the church told me I had to forgive or Jesus wouldn't forgive me. And so there was no going forward. And she stopped going to a spiritual community from that day forward. And she's like, I, I can't forgive. And I'm like, well, what's your heart saying to you? And she's like, well, I'm a good person. I'm super passionate about the elderly. I volunteer at these homes. I do all this. I'm like, you're following your heart. You're following God. Like, forgiveness is a complex subject that it's only through inspiration that we can pass it on. But wait till the inspiration comes. Because if you're not inspired, if you're not fully enveloped in his forgiveness of you, we have no human capacity to enter into forgiveness, especially the forgiveness of something on that scale. And so why, why, and so that question to me, then I'm going to bed thinking, who have I messed up in my own life that I gave some prescription by accident to? That they're now wondering what I set in front of God before them that is just too hard to set down because we're asking someone to be more than human, superhuman, in order to have this relationship. And pretty much you do the math in your head and you're like, yeah, that's impossible, so I guess it's impossible for me to have a relationship with God. That's what it was like most of the time growing up for me. I was a punk. Like, I was a messed up kid. I'd made a ton of mistakes. Uh, I had teachers that, like, Luke, you're not going to go anywhere. Like, seriously. Like, you are just a class clown. The, um, and relatives. Like, I'm from very big religious families. Like, I have more than 54 cousins on one side of the family. The very religious side of the family. And so, 
being pegged as the black sheep who's never going to make it because your efforts, you start to realize, yeah, my efforts are never going to, like, what you say I need to do, that is never going to happen. But for some reason, my grandmother and my mother put and instilled in me this love of God, and despite all that, there was this resounding, no, I still sense that God loves me despite all this. I felt since a child that I, if there was a heaven that we're all gathered in someday, that I would be there and everyone would be freaked out. Who let this guy in? Is someone not watching the walls? Like, there's, this will be angels guarding that. Like, I swear this dude slipped in. And I would be dragged before Jesus, and he would be like, Donald Luke's cool. He's in the book. Like, he's my buddy. Like, you were adding stuff that didn't need to be added. Um, I think when we start looking at, at what matters to us, I think this message here, I've died to the law. And now I found freedom to truly live under God. I think the question to us today is how? How have you truly found freedom? Have you found freedom? I think asking this and and, and truly thinking, like, where is the freedom I'm finding in God? Where does this inspire me to feel free? Like, where is this coming from? Because there's something beautiful here that's worth looking at, talking about. But if we don't know, if if we're not willing to dive into that question, uh, I think we're still just hiding and we don't want to ask what's truly going on. I have one other thing I wanted to read from the message that I was reading on the car ride in this morning. Um, Oh, shoot. I should have written it down. I'll think of it later when we're going through discussion. The other thing I want to point out is Paul talks about some really important tenets here. So he's telling us it's not prescriptions, it's not adding things. Yet he's giving us some baseline truths to these, like a follower of Jesus, there's something about certain characteristics. When they're trying to prove him out in his letter, he goes before all the highest Christians in Jerusalem to present himself to make sure that they think he's cool before talking with everyone else. And he says in verse 10, they requested that we always remember to care for the poor among us, which was something I was always eager to do. And if you look through the New Testament, this, this eagerness to take care of the poor among us is a tenet that is something that follows you, it's something that we're inspired to do. This has nothing to do with if you're not taking the care of the poor around you, that you are not in right relationship with God. But it doesn't mean that we can't present ideas that like, this is what it could look like. These are the possibilities presented. These are what we could look like. This is the beauty we could spread and share. Yet at the same time, we walk a thin line of this dangerously becoming legalistic as well. Where all of a sudden this taking care of the poor is something we lord over each other or we measure or we feel guilty about if we're not doing it. This is not a prescription to God. This is an inspiration that we can follow because of God. The second thing he says is how we see ourselves. In verse 20, he says, I've been crucified with the anointed one. I no longer live, but the anointed one lives inside of me and whatever life I have in this failing body, I live by the faithfulness of God's Son, the one who loves me and gave his body on the cross for me. The message says that he says, what actually took place is this, I tried keeping the rules. I tried working my head off to please God and it didn't work, so I quit being a law man so that I could be God's man. Christ's life showed me how and enabled me to do it. I identify myself completely with him Indeed, I've been crucified with Christ. My ego is no longer central. It's no longer important that I appear righteous before you 
or have your good opinion. This is a strong sentence here. And I'm no longer driven to impress God. Christ lives in me. The life you see me living is not mine, but it's lived by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This isn't this trying to impress each other, trying to impress God, trying to impress outsiders to our faith that there's some merit here. It's following God. Not worried about what that's going to look like or where that's going to take us. It's that trust that I'm in him. I'm God of me, we be cool. And outside of that, like I, I, I follow, I trust. There's a freedom. The, the passage I was looking for in here, and maybe I'll try to find it and put it online so you can see it. He talks about there is something real in the freedom that comes with this. It's th- this permission is like a fuel that gives life to, to following and adding these things. But other than that, if it's just me just deciding what I think is good and right and, and, and attempting to follow it, it's just effort again that's going to have us feeling frustrated or out of energy or just on a different path from God again. So how we care for the poor, how we see ourselves, can we be inspired to look for these elements in our life without them becoming a new law, a new prescription, a new hurdle that we either put on ourselves or we accidentally put on people that we really care about. Paul talks about this experience of God that changed him. And it really, like I said earlier, it points back to our mission. If we're looking at how we can be inspired by these tenets, if we're looking at how our life has changed because of this freedom, how does that look as a community? With our mission being creating opportunities for people to experience the grace, love, and acceptance of Jesus, how do, how do you fall into our mission? How do you do that on a Sunday morning? How do you treat visitor? How do you treat someone who's been here forever but looks completely different than you? It's one unique part of Bloom is we are a interesting hodgepodge mix of individuals from different backgrounds, in different economic statuses, and different religious upbringings or no upbringings at all that have come together in Jesus. But the differences don't we're not all lovers of softball or who knows what hobby we could throw out there. But there's something about your story that's important that we can learn from. There's someone that needs to hear your story, needs to hear your perspective. And in the same turn, there's someone here that needs to share theirs with you. And so it's this, if each of us is thinking about experiences and creating these experiences, for someone to feel accepted, to feel love, to feel the grace of God, how do we fold into that as we go? Uh, I'm going to pray quick, and then we're going to go to discussion on this guy. Uh, God... This is all you. We just ask right now that you help each and every one of us, individually and as a whole, as a community, to lay down any prescriptions that we might have accidentally or even intentionally added to the mix. We ask that each of us walk away with a deeper understanding that it's in you alone. It's in our creator who loves us so much, who is willing to do everything for us for right relationship. And it's said that all are forgiven. All are declared righteous. And that we would find ourselves seeing not only ourselves, but our neighbor, the person who looks different than us, our community here, seeing us all the way you see us, through those loving eyes. We just ask that as we go forward that you would help that freedom become real to us. That that freedom would inspire us to love others differently, to take care of the poor, to see ourselves totally enmeshed in you no matter where we go. 
We ask that you just lead us in discussion in our time together today. In Jesus' name, amen.